We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to Rotoviz Overtime as we recap NFL Week 8. Sean Siegel is not here. We were hoping he would be back in action for this episode. Unfortunately, feeling a little bit under the weather after his travels. We're hoping to have him back later in the week, but we are joined by Blair Andrews, who I still say is one of my favorite Twitter handles with Am I the Real Blair? We are still figuring out who all the other Blairs are, but he is the real one. I, I like it because, uh, you know, a lot of my stuff for my personal accounts is the column kelly so you're the real player i'm the <laughs> column kelly that's a little bit of a nod though to my dad who is also a column kelly so i had to take the column kelly but we are ready for nfl we get this is one where i think there's so much we can talk about so many different ways to go so much impressive plays so much fun plays so many big plays and it was a, a pretty high scoring week as a whole and that's what we want for fantasy football for anyone watching the games you want high score in action and Blair NFL week get delivered on that. Definitely. This was a fun, a fun week to be a football fan and uh a fun week to be playing fantasy in at least in a lot of my leagues. Not all of them, unfortunately, but we can get into that. Yeah, you said a fun week to be a football fan. Well, you know, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. It, it wasn't that much fun. <laughs> but the Packers at this point, it is, you know, the, the expectation has waned dramatically. So the other parts of, you know, I didn't have to pay as much of attention to the actual outcome of that game. But unfortunately, as we'll talk about later, Kirk Cousins picking up what looks to be a season end and Achilles injury. We are seeing more and more Achilles injuries happening over the last couple of seasons, but this year has been particularly bad. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers as well. We'll talk about a little bit later in the show how that affects the Viking skill position players, how that may affect their season plans as they move forward here with you know Justin Jefferson, how that may affect the, the the wanted to come back and, and risk him before the end of the season if there's not much to play for the trade deadline also coming up so you never know things could could change that win getting them back into slight playoff contention even though they do lose their starting quarterback unfortunately but the one place i, I want to start this week is philadelphia and washington we get a 38 31 game just a straight shootout we get the big players having big moments no bigger player in this game than Sam Howell, I guess, uh, at this moment in time. But we almost get 400 passing yards from Howell this week, 397 
yards passing 39 of 52 there was a point in this game where i believe he was 21 of 22 passing four touchdowns one interception another positive in this game was just one sack for nine yards where we have been talking about him being on almost 100 sack pace for the season so positive to see that improve both teams very little going in the run game we get brian robinson with 59 yards we get deandre swift with 57 the one interesting thing i'll mention on swift swift gets a, a touchdown in this which was a kind of a a move on the the tush push or the brotherly shove or whatever it's been called this week where they they fake the play and they run it to the outside which i think is a really smart wrinkle myself and sean have been talking on the show a lot about teams with innovative offenses and you know how to continue to do that we're talking obviously a lot about the likes of the dolphins but we're seeing that with the eagles too and just those little things where they're constantly looking to uh, innovate in that offense impressive play i thought there we got aj brown on the other side i just wrote in the show notes here i've written growing ass man by two that is for aj brown eight for 130 off eight targets two touchdowns going his way he is now in a very special place in terms of nfl history sixth straight game with 125 yards only player in nfl history to do that an incredible run here for aj brown we get dotson who had 24.8 ppr points this week target share was still under 20 percent 19.6 but this is a positive step in the right direction for him lots of just positives all around in this performance what what is the the key takeaway for you looking at this is it that my boy logan thomas got in the end zone is it that you know what what are you looking at here even julio jones got in the end zone in this game this game had everything that's right this game had a little bit of everything i mean i think if you're uh a sam howell fan or a sam howell fantasy manager you have to be encouraged by exactly i think you have to be encouraged by uh, obviously the way he played, but especially the fact that he only took one sack in this game. That's been, I think, the main criticism of him, of his game going, you know, so far this year is how um, how long he holds the ball, how long he kind of gets stuck on either his first read or, you know, getting getting a big playoff, getting some something downfield. So it was good and to as see. I, as I mentioned, that stat of the 21 of 22, when I was kind of following the box score as that game was going along, I was thinking 21 of 22. I assume that that is that he has taken six sacks that he hasn't thrown away the ball for an incompletion, but it was actually that there was no <laughs> sacks to go along with that. So I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's that was definitely a, a pleasant surprise. I think um, it would be interesting to look at i'm just looking at his a dot in this game a little bit lower than what he's been averaging uh so far on the year uh only 7.5 in this game versus eight for weeks one through seven um you could kind of read that as he's being more willing to dump it off to throw to check downs we saw i think no, it was a handoff. I was thinking about this Brian Robinson play, but that was a that was a draw, a draw play, not a not a handoff or not a not a dump off. But uh, in any case, yeah, very encouraging to see Howell um, avoiding sacks in this game against what we what we think is a tough Philadelphia defense. But I mean, Washington has been able to score points against them in both their both their matchups and play yeah, them pretty matchups. close. So both matchups. Yeah you know within one score but also that they were able to put up a lot of points on what is as you mentioned one of the kind of most talked about defenses in the nfl so that is impressive being able to you know push 
the ball downfield as well but not be too conservative with it the other part of this is he is now um a top 12 quarterback so a qb1 and five of eight games this season he's been a top seven quarterback three of the last four games so he, he's really stepping forward you know something that myself and sean we've talked you've talked about howell and how the path to him being a starter this year would go and then there's obviously he wins the job you've drafted a lot of them you're wondering how does that work out now as we move forward and there was always that con you know part of the conversation with the sacks is will he hinder the offense but what we've seen with him actually throwing the ball the the talent that he has in terms of arm talent you know he is really setting himself up here as the the franchise not just the starting quarterback for this season but the franchise quarterback for the washington commander so he's playing really well very positive to see dotson get factored in with the 10 targets mclaurin had 12 he just had the five receptions for 63 and a touchdown but really really positive to see a huge shootout i mentioned aj brown all of his plays basically in this game but the two touchdowns in particular are just like i'm taking this ball you're not taking this ball this is a touchdown for for aj brown um, so he just so dominant i mentioned the the 125 yard stats but just fantastic from him again obviously there's him making those plays but again you're having your quarterback trusting that if he targets you in a situation where it's a competitive ball that you're going to go and try try and get it and that's obviously helping both of those guys put up points and then Devonte smith seven receptions seven targets 99 yards one touchdown it's amazing in this game that they had a combined 15 targets for 15 receptions three touchdowns 120 or 229 yards so very efficient day from that direction that led to jill hurts also having 319 in the air four touchdowns no interceptions he had four for six on the ground did have one fumble on one of the first failed you know fourth down attempts that they had that i've seen where kind of a bot snap fumbled it overturned on the goal line so that would be one part that they will i'm sure be disappointed about but really impressive performance all around the other game that we're going to move to is the dallas cowboys la rams we get a, a score gammy and this one 43 20 for me the players that are obviously standing out would be you know we have cd lamb cd lamb is somebody i know you really like i think i think everyone likes cd lamb i'm not sure there's too many people that don't like him but you know <laughs> targeting him in drafts we get dak prescott 304 and four touchdowns one interception four for 19 on the ground tony pollard is the one that really not getting fully factored in in this offense over the last couple of weeks he has scored uh less than 10 points ppr three of the last four the cowboys defense and special teams will continue to be crazy in some of these games they just came out of the gates kind of destroyed the entire rams plan for the game matthew stafford under constant pressure um you know returning kicks interceptions everything that they could possibly do and that's another one for the dallas defense but we get cd lamb 14 targets 12 receptions 158 and two touchdowns one for 12 on the ground going his way as well i have mentioned that there should be no game where cd lamb no matter what the game script is gets less than 10 touchdowns or 10 10 touchdowns that'd be nice 10 targets he gets 14 here but i feel like he's ready to go into that elite elite tier off wide receiver and you know if the cowboys continue they're not going to use him this well but if they continue to get him those 10 targets a game i think he really steps into that how impressed have you been with lamb this season i know there's been a couple of lower scoring games there but as a, as a lamb drafter I'm, I'm pretty happy with how things are playing out so far 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it's nice to see Lamb get this usage. He's been playing. Uh, he's been playing pretty well. You can almost say that, like the thing that's probably holding him back the most is is the fact that he's really the only weapon they have in the passing game because they, you know, refuse to use Pollard. He only got one target. Jake Ferguson was the next highest guy with only four targets. Um, you know, we saw in Philadelphia, for instance, how having AJ Brown and Devonte Smith can really take pressure off the other guy, leave Devonte Smith wide open for for a touchdown. Uh, because the defense has to deal with A.J. Brown. So for Lamb to put up this kind of performance when basically he's the only guy that the opposing defense has to focus on is pretty impressive, but it does kind of call into question how sustainable it is. Yeah, the other thing is we see C.D. Lamb lined up out wide quite a bit and obviously a little bit more difficult on those completions. But they and what I was impressed with in this game and some of the other games this season, they've lined him up in the slot and it feels like he is pretty much uncomfortable, uh, you know, and, and breaking rights from the right hand side. So I really think they should just continue to to do that over and over. You know, it's pretty much was, you know, 15 yards automatic each time in this. And when you put up 158 yards and your longest is 26, it shows the consistency of being able to to get those chunk plays over and over again without it being just all on one huge play speaking of huge plays the rams did not have that stafford left this game uh with a thumb injury headed off kind of the the face guard of a helmet but the game was going really tough for the rams even at that point they had started to maybe sneak themselves back into it as they get a touchdown um at the start of the third quarter but brett rippon comes in doesn't lead much for the team just 42 yards passing but both Puka and Cooper Cup struggling overall in this one. Seven targets for Nakua, 10 for Cup, but Cup just four for 21 on those targets. We have uh, Puka going three for 43. It has been a little bit of a struggle over the last couple of weeks for Cup. He's seen 17 targets in the last two games, caught just six for 50 yards. What are the concern levels? on Cooper Cup here moving forward. I think maybe it's a case that he came back and was 100% healthy, and maybe now he's carrying something. But uh, I think this was a game where a lot of, I guess, the the noise can be kind of forgotten about after. I think this was just a a disaster from the get-go for for the Rams as they went into Dallas, and the defense just dominated them from the start. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's probably not too much to read into this performance um maybe if it turns out stafford's injury is gonna either be bothering him a long time it's an injury to his the the throw on his throwing hand so that that could be significant that's the thing that i would probably be looking out for either if he has to miss time or if he's not as effective throwing the ball then that could have that could have an impact of course but i wouldn't necessarily read into this as uh as a Cooper Cup problem. I mean, it is a problem for him if Stafford can't play, obviously. But um, yeah, I'm not trying to overreact to a one game, a one game sample. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When we do look then at, you know, you're getting into conversations of wide receiver one the rest of the way. I think CD Lamb's in play there. But somebody who was the wide receiver one when we were drafting was Justin Jefferson. He obviously had a great start to the season, picks up the injury. I did mention that I had concerns at that time. Would they take him back after that? Would they be like, well, this season, at that point, the season looked like it was really disappearing from them. But now at this particular point, they're in a pretty good situation in terms of win-wise. They're starting to move back into things at four and four. But the concern now is that obviously Kirk Cousins at the time recording hasn't been confirmed, but sounds like a torn Achilles that will make him miss the rest of this season, which is very unfortunate, obviously, for him. And, you know, I, I talk about not being his biggest fan from a fantasy perspective, but to see any player get get injured and specifically serious injuries like that is is very uh, disappointing and, uh, you know, wishing him a speedy recovery and, and such. But we had a game here where we have Addison, he almost had a touchdown, got a kind of a three-way sandwich, knock it loose, but had a really strong game overall, which I was impressed by was they lined him up at running back for his actual touchdown, then on a and right, which nice to see players using a multitude of ways to potentially open them up and get them, you know, preferred matchups and situations that he had eight targets, seven receptions, 82 yards, one touchdown. I thought he had a pretty impressive game overall with Hawkinson, nine targets six receptions 88 and one touchdown kj osborne as well 10 targets eight for 99 going his way uh, madison kind of dominant in the running back touches between him and acres but acres gets a touchdown not a lot to be excited about overall about the, the running back zone there this packers team at the moment nothing to be excited about as we're kind of joking <laughs> at the start there, there's a lot of this that you can say you know jordan love potentially there's a lot of this that i think you know Matt LaFleur, I think, is a really good coach. I think, though, the play call and the scheme has been really poor so far this season. And then the other part is the the drops from the Packers wide receivers in this game were embarrassing. There was a few weeks ago where a lot of people talked about the Ravens and, and the drops that they had. The Packers in this game had multiple catches for first downs dropped on, on pretty easy conversion. So there's just a lot going wrong for the Packers. They also are defensively not playing well. So... Not to take anything away from the Vikings in this one, but the big question I have coming out of it is the skill position players the rest of the way with Kirk Cousins out. I mentioned the trade deadline. I feel like the Vikings probably aren't going to trade to try and get a another quarterback. Jalen Hall when he came in, or Jaron Hall when he came in, and this did not look overly great. So we'll see. We'll see what they plan to do moving forward here. But you have, I know, I have a lot of TJ Hawkinson teams. I have a lot of teams with Jordan sprinkled in in basketball huge amount of uh, justin jefferson team so the concern comes back as well to not just quarterback play for the players who are available the likes of a hawkinson addison but also maybe and maybe this is something that we can't really worry about because we can't have any impact on the players that are maybe coming off injured reserve or not but what are your concerns both the players that are available and then 
how concerned are you that Jefferson isn't back in the fold? And even if he is back in the fold, how you know you can be quarterback proof, but there's a standard of quarterback necessary as well. Yeah, I'm definitely concerned for the skill position players on Minnesota. I think um, Kirk Cousins is not somebody that I've been a huge fan of, you know, for fantasy anyway, but he has been playing well this year, um, completing almost 70% of his passes and uh, uh, putting, you know, giving his guys a chance to make plays. And obviously the Vikings have been throwing a ton, which helps a lot. Um, so, yeah, I do think we would see kind of a drop back from guys like Addison if if Jaron Hall has to be the quarterback uh, going forward. We kind of, you know, um, last night we speculated that Minnesota might try to trade for uh, Ryan Tannehill after Levis came in and looked so good. Um, so, you know, there may be some avenues. I don't know if how realistic that is, but that, there are that some is one of the ones that, that I've also heard. But uh, yeah, I don't know the excitement levels uh, are getting there for that either. That's true. That's true. I mean, it's still Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, it seems if we got like a James a, Win- if we got a Jameis Winston in there, maybe. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can see somebody who plays kind of a similar game to Cousins, who is not afraid to just chuck it up there and let Jefferson not go and get it. Not afraid to throw interceptions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We need a guy like that. Um, so, yeah, Winston could definitely be exciting. I think there are probably some some quarterbacks around the league who could be exciting. I don't know a lot about Jaron Hall and whether he's kind of the right guy for that. Um, yeah, like you said, I think whether Jefferson comes back depends a lot on how well the Vikings continue to play going forward. Obviously they've now won uh, three games in a row. So, you know, in a division that's fairly weak, NFC conference that is pretty weak with seven teams getting into the playoffs. I think there's a good chance that Minnesota might find themselves kind of in contention or close Um and that would motivate Jefferson to come back for sure. So, um, yeah, I I do expect we'll see Jefferson again. Whether he'll be able to play as well um, without Kirk Cousins is, of course, another matter. But I definitely would be tempering my expectations for the Vikings receivers. Yeah, the other part of that is they, they do face uh, Atlanta uh, this coming week away. So, you know, Atlanta, usually they're going to be in a tight game or they're going to be losing a tight game. It's usually one <laughs> of those two options. So should still give the Vikings a, a chance in that if they get to five and four with as well the additional playoff spots with the new NFL playoff system. You know, it, it always keeps the door open to some of the teams that in previous years you'd be like, that team is is done. But now now with the additional options, they, they could still go. So we'll, we'll, we'll track that one. We'll see. But yeah, hopefully we get Jefferson back. Hopefully they, they trade for <laughs> Jameis Winston. Probably neither may happen, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Another game to touch on here is the the Miami Dolphins. They It looks like a comfortable one in the end. It was a little bit closer, I think, in that fourth quarter than they would have liked. The Miami Dolphins 31, the New England Patriots 17. Disappointing news coming out of this. Kendrick Bourne looks like a season-ending knee injury for him. He had four targets, three receptions, 36 yards, and a touchdown before that injury, and he is been fantasy viable over the the last i guess over the whole season a few lower scoring weeks there but has been been worked in outside of that in this though not a huge amount to get excited about from the patriot side stevenson 
10 carries uh, Ezekiel Elliott 7 carries 39 yards 36 yards fairly even split all around there um you know it's, it's tough to get excited about this Patriots team I do think <laughs> Stevenson is running pretty well overall but the offense is just going to fail to put up points and even in a game where they're close uh not overly uh, explosive on offense on the other side though we have Tua who is 324 yards passing his 45 pass attempts 30 completions three touchdowns one interception Mostert gets in the end zone with a rushing touchdown 13 for 46 so he leads the rest off the running backs quite comfortably in this contest the big talking point for me coming out of this and it's not a big talking point but it's an exciting you know player who hasn't had the season maybe we were hoping for when we were drafting him in the second round third round all off season long that's Jalen Waddle he gets 12 targets in this to Hill's 13 7 for 121 and a touchdown going his way Hill 8 for 112 and a touchdown so Hill gets the early touchdown and I'm thinking Tyreek Hill is it possible to stop him the the Patriots didn't try overly hard to stop him on that deep 42 yard <laughs> touchdown but it was nice to see Waddle be a consistent focus of the offense it was also nice to see him put up the yards and get the touchdown in this one so you know when you have both of those guys in there I think that's what they obviously want to have both of them functioning but they dominated the targets in such a way here 25 combined targets for those out of 44 total so it's all about those two guys but there has been weeks where it hasn't really about been about Jalen Waddle at all so hell we know he's dominating he looks electric but Jalen Waddle to get in there and have a big day alongside I think is is really good if we can continue to see Waddle get in on that action yeah for sure i mean it's almost hard to believe that tyreek hill has like double the uh ppr points that waddle yeah for sure you definitely are uh, happy to see him get more involved uh get those targets and those yards obviously i think he he missed some games early in the season with injuries so it seems based on this play this level of play that he's fully healthy and uh you know, there was a point in the season, early in the season last year, when it looked like both Hill and Waddle could finish as top five wide receivers. So uh, it's very possible we'll, we see something like that happen again down the stretch here, which would be obviously uh, very helpful for my fantasy teams. Yeah, it'll be very helpful, I think, for a lot of our listeners too, because I know there's a big part of the OT, the big part of the, the Rotovis community are into the entire Miami Dolphins offense I think so yeah uh, we're happy to see it but it's nice to see it go the way off at Waddle and it's, it's also positive to see it in a game where both of them are able to do it rather than it's a you know a Waddle uh, when, when it was the Kansas City Chiefs for a long time it was is this a Kelsey week or a Hill week you know depending on the team it's it's good to see them both have games like that together moving on now to the this one I think is intriguing we had the Browns facing off against the uh Seattle Seahawks Seahawks winning this one moving to five and two Geno Smith I thought at times in this game looked really really bad at times looked pretty good but <laughs> 254 passing yards two touchdowns two interceptions we got 14 targets to DK Metcalf for just the five completions I thought some of the times he was looking towards Metcalf the throws could have been much better JSN gets in the end zone but again that's one of those kind of touchdowns that saves his day a little bit he gets four targets three receptions 36 one touchdown back-to-back weeks so into the end zone the usage is starting to get more encouraging for JSN but I would like to see more than the four targets going his way and then Tyler Lockett nine targets 
eight receptions, 81 and a touchdown. So the, the three guys getting factored in, but this week, JSN quite a bit behind with Metcalf back in the, the lineup. Kenneth Walker, though, in terms of the usage for the running backs, Walker has been somebody we've kind of been talking about a lot on the podcast, has looked really, really good. This week, though, is the first week where Charbonnet has, you know, outsnapped him. So it was 31 to 24 in favor of Charbonnet. Walker was in the injury report, though, heading into NFL Week 82, did not participate in them practice reports. So I'm going to put this up at the moment to as more of a how Kenneth Walker was physically than they decided to go with a game plan and a close game to lead the way with Charbonnet after not having done that so far this season. So we'll see what happens going into the next game for the Seahawks. But again, in this one, even though he was limited to those particular snaps, he did have a 45-yard run on this, so it looked explosive. But even on that one, probably didn't look as you know sprightly as he, he has done so far this season, but still a lot of positives there. The backfield in Cleveland completely split between everybody. The passing game, <laughs> not very exciting. 15-31 for P.J. Walker one touchdown two interceptions amari cooper gets 89 yards on six receptions got 11 targets and joko looked pretty pretty good in this game i thought he had eight targets four receptions 77 yards and one touchdown took a not technically a screen pass but a, a pass very near the line of scrimmage and showed some real acceleration on his 41 yard completion pierre strong had one target one reception 41 yards so i'm kind of completely out on everything to do with the cleveland browns offense my question for you is we'll not even focus on the we've done a lot of focusing on the the wide receivers on our podcast over the the last couple of months kenneth walker charbonnet is this a, a one-week thing is this something that you you think is going to happen moving forward walker still had you know eight carries to five carries but charbonnet did look really good in this the browns have been a defense that have been hard to move the ball on they moved it outrageously easy in the run game i was actually surprised that they only run for a complete uh, 17 attempts for 144, 114 yards in this game because we get Walker at 8.3 yards per carry. And I know there's a 45-yard carry in there, but we get <laughs> 10.6 yards per carry on those five carries as well for, for Charbonnet. Yeah, uh, I do think this is probably a one-week thing and it has something to do with the fact that Walker was hurt most of the week even though i think he entered the game without an injury designation still seems like he's seemed aware that he missed missed two practices and then didn't have a designation that's kind of a little bit unusual yeah that was very strange i think probably there's something going on there that at least partially explains this like you said though charbonnet looked really good um you know 53 yards on just five carries he also caught both his targets um added only 11 yards there but still um nice to see that they're they're using him in the passing game i think um you you know while this is a one-week thing if charbonnet is going to play well um you expect to see him get worked in a little bit more um and like you said cleveland you know has one of the top defenses in the league they're not an easy team to to run against so um this is i think impressive by both Charbonnet and Walker, but particularly uh, Charbonnet coming coming in off the bench. Yeah, this was the best uh, I've seen Charbonnet look um, since he entered the NFL. So good as well. You know, somebody who I'm sure a lot of our listeners have drafted. I have him on a, a number of rosters as well. You know, trying to 
gift sprinkle in different parts of this backfield and this was a, a positive step for people who are more on him over walker i'm still very much the one the the walker side of the conversation moving forward last today's show is the jacksonville jaguars pittsburgh sailors not the most exciting game weather issues in this one 20 to 10 going the way off the jacksonville jaguars they are on a little bit of a, a win streak as well now six and two on the season i believe it's five wins in a row that they're up to uh trevor lawrence had one incredibly bad interception this game it was in the red zone does have 292 yards one touchdown one interception that one touchdown though is the one that i want to talk about something that i've been harping on about for weeks and weeks and weeks is the way that the jaguars had been using travis Etienne and you know comparing that to the miami dolphins and trying to get him on the edge they have been getting him on the edge we have seen some they're still running them into the, the center of the line a lot but they are doing a lot of different things but that one touchdown that was a passing touchdown by trevor lawrence in this game that was a 56 yard completion to travis Etienne, who yeah. uh, took it to the end zone so he he took that one though as a wide receiver for this wide receiver right to the right hand side so again looking at ways to get your players involved in different situations i talked about the touchdown for addison where they had him lined up in the backfield who's obviously a wide receiver and a running back you're trying to create mismatches in these situations and uh the defender tried to kind of jump the play missed it still a very good kind of started off as a one-handed catch where he takes the second hand in to, to secure it but etn three for 70 in the air he has six targets one touchdown then he's 24 for 79 on the ground as well so i think that when we're looking at workhorses the rest of the season i think he is right up there at the top there's a couple of names maybe you'd like over him but it has been extremely encouraging over the last i would say four weeks probably as to and it really it coincides with this winning streak that has started off for the the jaguars as well so that's probably good for us because it's going to encourage to continue that trend because they want to keep those wins going the other note is christian kirk less heavily targeted in this one than calvin ridley both of them having i guess mediocre fantasy days and that kind of nine to, to 13 ppr point days but not not overly exciting but we do get 10 targets for calvin ridley as most targets since week one and then evan ingram gets 10 targets as well 10 for 88 I don't know about you blair we i have a few uh ffpc dynasty leagues in the tight end premium obviously with uh, evan ingram in there those 10 receptions are quite tasty when you get when you get them in there but that that's kind of the the main side of the the jaguars continue to use etn in favorable ways he got an octopus in this which is obviously the the touchdown plus the two-point conversion gets the eight points which is nice to, to boost it up there as well after the you get the you get this explosive touchdown and you're like wow and then it's like oh here's another two points that's just straight after it fantastic uh the other part was pickett got injured in this game we'll see it sounds like he's going to miss at least this upcoming week but we also have mitch trubisky coming in he had 15 to 27 pickett was in for 16 attempts we, we kind of know what mitch trubisky is running game here was kind of non-existent for the the staters trout was heavy rain conditions in it but I guess the part on the Steelers side to look at is Deontay Johnson, 14 targets, 8 for 85. Pickens, 5 targets, just one reception for 22 yards. And what it was an impressive one reception for a touchdown where he kind of jumps in between two players. But how are you looking at that there wide receiver room? Is this just, again, it's going to be some weeks one, some weeks the other. Both guys are going to be heavily involved. Or do you think 
Johnson being the the main target is something that we could see going forward. I had kind of felt that it was starting to lead to be just completely 50-50, and I, I think it's still going to be that way. But 14 targets versus the five is a quite a, quite a big difference. Yeah, I suspect that it's going to be 50-50 going forward or something close to it, but I also think probably this offense is not good enough to support both of those guys in the same yeah. game. Um, the one thing that's a little concerning is that you did see um, you did see early last season when Trubisky started uh, that he was targeting Johnson pretty heavily. And then it was only when Pickett came in that Pickens started to see his targets uptick. And part of that is probably because Pickens was a rookie coming on, you know, the first few games, you expect him to start slow. So at that time, I didn't think, you know, try not to read too much into it. Uh, now that we see it kind of confirmed, it's a little more concerning, but it's only one game. So I think it's not not yet enough to say that uh, Johnson is definitely going to be kind of running away with the target share here. Um, you know, we know he's he's good at getting open. He runs these, these shorter routes that uh, make it easy for um, for quarterbacks to find them. Although he did have a 13.4 a dot in this game, so uh, maybe maybe I'm just dead wrong about that. But uh, yeah, my my hunch is that this is going to be close to a 50-50 split between these guys. I mean, Pickens on that one catch, like you said, he did look really good. And when you have a guy who can who can make those kinds of plays, you got to try to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, I, I think they're both very good players. I think they're both going to be used i think we'll have some weeks though that's the, it's a bit like when i talked about the opposite side with you know the the ridley and kirk side of things there is going to be weeks where you know you're sitting there with your eight points in a ppr format and there's going to be weeks then when you're you're up at your 30 points and it's gonna be hard to call them i think from week to week so that is going to do it for this part of our recap of nfl week eight we are going to have our second one coming out on tuesday make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get those once they are available. Blair will be jumping back on with me for that one. Hoping to have Sean back then later in the week and back to regular, regular sorry, programming from that point forward. Blair mentioned, though, and very briefly, very under the radar there, I think. He mentioned that they had talked about it. What he was talking about was the road of his report, which is available every single Sunday night once the games are over. It's always when I'm asleep, so I can't watch it live. But I do see it every Monday then when I when I wake up over here. You are generally recording that at the very end of the second slate of games as Sunday Night Football was on. Am I correct in that? I was noticing the, we'll talk about this on the second show, but I was noticing the chat informing news of uh, some Quentin Johnson activities uh, in the chat. So it's during that Sunday Night stream. Let the, the listeners know how to find that. And then maybe they're not watching it live. They can uh, pick it up on the Road of His Report YouTube ch- or podcast channel. Yeah, definitely. We go live every every Sunday at nine o'clock. So pretty much right after Sunday night football starts. Um, you know, a lot of times we're competing with with what turns out to be kind of a boring game. So uh so if you're uh watching the Chargers destroy the Bears, then you can just say, you know what, I'm sick of watching this. Let's pop over and watch <laughs> and and learn something. Yeah, so uh definitely check that out. Another plug as well to make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His youtube channel that is going to close us out here for this edition of road of his overtime my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland i mentioned this at the start of the show but you can follow blair andrews on twitter at am i the real blair you can check all his work up on roadways.com and until we are back have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.